0: Sign up with MyBookie and use our promo code GATORS to get your first ever deposit match dollar for dollar. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with MyBookie. Get the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping when you use code GATORSBREAK20. Want more GATORS Breakdown? Join GATORS Breakdown Plus starting at $3 a month. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Joining you for Big Game Week. Big Game Week, Alabama, the Crimson Tide. Rolling into Gainesville, 3.30 on Saturday. We break it all down, get our first little look at this game. Uh, maybe not little look, Will. Maybe I used the wrong word there. This is our first look. We'll see how big it gets here, but uh, plenty to discuss here. Is Alabama, number one team in the nation, rolls into Gainesville, joined by Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at Will Miles, sec, and his site, readandreaction.com. Plenty, plenty there to go and follow Will, get his info, his website, read and reaction YouTube channel. I'm telling you. Oh, it's, We got you covered, guys. You don't have to go anywhere else. (laughs) Between Gators Breakdown and Regan Reaction, we come together every Monday here, uh, getting your your Gators coverage. This time, this week, Will, one big game to look forward to.
1: Yeah, man. We've been looking forward to this for more than a week, right? We've been looking forward to this all offseason. Mullen even said it today during the press conference that this is the way you measure yourself that he doesn't really know, right? How his offensive and defensive lines stack up and, and all, you know, last year, obviously losing by six points in the SEC championship game. The question in every Florida fan's mind is can Mullen take that next step? Can he beat a team like Alabama, which he hasn't done at Mississippi state? And he hasn't done at Florida yet. And so, um, you know, being able to to go and measure yourself is what this is all about, right? That's why you come to the SEC. It's why you come to the best conference in the world. And so Saturday we all get to see it. And, uh, like I said, we, we basically had this one penciled since about the eh, end of the second quarter against Oklahoma. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's finally here
0: you know it's a big game will's gonna be in Gainesville so you know it's a big game Will, will does not get down too often of course last year and all the problems that uh, it caused but will miles will be in Gainesville so everybody we know you know, uh, you know come, say, come say hello first time you know will and I've been together since oh, last, man. last
1: harmonic woods tailgate man like yeah, two years what? ago I think Missouri yeah. back in 2018, I think 2018. Was the last time we were we were live. yes. Yeah, last so.
0: time Will was in Gainesville, uh, Florida. Lost, so uh, you know you got to you got to rub him on that one. Uh, so, but nah, um,
1: you were there. You were in Gainesville twice that year, right? I get down once or twice a year. It, yeah. I, I'd be honest, it all starts to starts yeah. to sort of blur together. Though I think this one I'll remember. I saw a highlight today of the deep uh, – of the bomb from Brantley to, to Yeah, to open up the Alabama game a few years ago or like a decade ago now. Um, and and I was at that one too. So it's always fun to sort of relive those memories on TV and the highlights after you've been down there for one of those.
0: Yeah, so we'll, we'll be in Gainesville. We'll all be uh, down there Saturday having a good time. Uh, tailgating and uh, just yeah. This this week we we'll we can get into it. We'll, I mean, will I know and and I said it on the um, the chat this morning, the Twitter chat, and, and I put it out there. I know the, the damper has been put on this week just a little bit because of. Uh, I mean, look, it, the teams. Putting up 600 yards of offense, and we're still finding things to cr- critique about, about this team. Rightfully so. Uh, doesn't mean everything's perfect out there, and we'll get into the quarterback talk and all that. And you know, uh, you know, two weeks ago, this game felt a little different. We get to game week, and not as not as confident out there. You know, some Gator fans not out there confident like they were a couple weeks ago. Now we get to the to, to game week, kind of subdued. Uh, but you know, and as I said, you know, go be a fan this week. You never know what happened. You don't want to look back and say, "Oh man, I wish I wish I had went out, wish I had uh, you know went all out and, and talked all the trash I wanted to game week." And if you if you're one of those trolls on Twitter, go ahead and go troll. Like I said, go have fun with it. Be a fan this week because you don't want to look back. And Florida does beat Alabama. And regret that oh man, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, have the fun I wanted to have. Don't get me wrong; you, you can make up for it after the game, but have some fun leading up to the game too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what the uh, so the damper is really. The Richardson injury to me is yes, is sure. sort of the thing that puts the damper on on things. But Mullen actually said he's planning on having him practice this week, so you know there's still an opportunity that he may be healthier than maybe we think. And and you know if we'd have beat the first two opponents sixty to nothing. Does it really change very much coming into this game? Not really. And then I will say that the the Alabama juggernaut felt real when they were just manhandling Miami, but then Miami went out and almost got beat by Appalachian State at home, and so you know the the I think there are some indicators that Alabama's maybe definitely not last year's Alabama team, right. but obviously this isn't last year's Florida team either. And, and the question is, do the matchups favor the Gators in certain instances, Are the things Mullen's going to be able to take advantage of? And that is one of the things that I think Mullen has proven is that over time he if he has an advantage somewhere, he's going to be able to find it. The problem is when he was at Mississippi State, he never had enough advantages to actually put – put stuff together to really beat Alabama or LSU or even Auburn for that matter all that often and at Florida he's been able to do that for the most part um, though obviously against some of these big boys he struggled so this is the first step right and and the thing is is that win or lose Florida's still alive in the East and all you got to do is win the East to have the rematch but obviously sort of understanding where the team sits and that was sort of I think the theme today of Bowen's press conference is you know that this is a way to measure yourself and, and I'm excited to see how Florida measures up I mean right. even if Florida loses by four touchdowns, we know. We right, know. and at that and at that point, then it's a question of you know how do you measure up to Georgia? How do you measure up to LSU? That sort of stuff. You lose by three, and you go, okay, this team has a real shot against everybody else on the schedule, including Georgia. And if you win the game, then obviously you walk out of it and talk as much trash as you possibly can. So I, I don't know why. Like I'm just as excited for it as anybody. Maybe it's because I'm getting on a plane on Friday to find my way down there. But uh, you know the, the reality is we only get twelve or thirteen of these every year. Last year we didn't even get that. So you know in Enjoy everyone, even the ones against cupcakes like FAU and USF. And then when you get one of these big ones, savor it because not that often you get a matchup with the number one team in your own home stadium. And when both teams are undefeated, where if you're able to pull out the win, I mean, Florida's twelfth right now. But if Florida wins this, I mean, what second, third? I mean, where do you end up if you if you pull out the win? I think you end up really high up in that top five. You know, especially if it ends up being a convincing win. And, you know, I I think there's some reasons for optimism that Florida's going to be able to keep this close. I'm sure we'll talk about that.
0: Yep, we'll get into it there. Uh, Even some more about the whole measuring stick thing. kind of go back to a theme that I went back to in spring and stuff. And kind of when when the schedule was released, looking at the schedule, when this game was going to be played, uh, all that stuff there. But everybody, Gators Breakdown Plus, man, another avenue there. We're talking about content coming left and right, another avenue of it right there. A lot of new members out there in the last few days, so thank you so much for joining that. Want even more content, instant reactions after the games, uh, Q&A session that is is just for Gators Breakdown Plus members during the week. Uh, That'll be out there as well every Thursday. So it's been a lot of fun the last two weeks doing that too. So Gators Breakdown Plus is where it's at for some more Gators Breakdown content. Uh, Well, yeah, you, you mentioned it. Mullen says, you know, good measuring stick for this. Theme. And he even went on to say, you know, at this point in the season, not necessarily, you know, a measuring stick just in general. But I'm going to say and go back to a point I went back to uh, in the spring and maybe even after the Alabama game last year was 2020 was going to show you how close those teams were to each other. And it was pretty close. If Florida was going to play their best, Alabama plays really good and near one of their best. You know, those two teams were six points apart that day. And, of course, the seasons were very – different when you look at it and how they ended uh, for both teams. But I looked at this game in 2021 and said, well, you know, now you get Alabama two years in a row and it's a measuring stick for program, for for the program in a way as well. You know, not just for the, for for the team, you get the team two years in a row. Now you get Alabama, they, they lose a lot of talent just like you did, just like Florida lost Kyle Trask and Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts. They lose receivers and quarterbacks and Heisman finalists and all that good stuff, just like Florida. Well, you know, now you get them with those scenarios laid out, and now you you get them in the swamp two years in a row. And this is kind of now where Dan Mullins in his fourth year. This is his recruited team. This is his recruited quarterback. You know, this can be – you know, last year you were comparing teams. You were comparing, to me, 2020 teams. You can kind of compare programs right now where Dan Mullins at in his fourth year. Look, we know win or lose. You're not Alabama. You're not the stature of Alabama. You can go out there. It's going to be considered an upset and looking at the grand scheme of things, even if Florida wins, you're not replacing Alabama by any means or any stretch of the imagination. But six points last year, go into this game, find a way to upset, find a way to to, to play them tough. At least after week three, the game after Alabama, it could tell you a lot about the program and the program direction under Dan Baldwin by maybe you know, shrinking the gap towards Alabama a little bit. Gap, still large in some ways, but you go play them close in twenty twenty, close loss or a win in twenty twenty one, you know, you can you can start comparing programs in some form or fashion.
1: Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, obviously Florida loses its three best offensive players from last year. If they can go out and they can play a completely different kind of offense and and still be able to move the ball against the tide, I think that says something about Mullen's offensive acumen. I think it says something about his ability to develop players. Um, you know, last year's game, I, everybody says six points. That game wasn't really that close. I mean, it was 35-17 to 17 at the half. Najee Harris goes in at the half. And obviously, I think we held out hope that Florida would be able to come back and very pleased with the way they fought there in the second half as opposed to just sort of falling apart at the same time. um, You know, it it Scoring a touchdown there with with a minute or two left, and then not having the timeouts to actually stop the clock at the end of the, at the end of the day, that game was a little bit more than a six point win. But um, you know, the other thing is is that you talk about the three offensive players that Florida lost. We'll look at the offensive players that Alabama lost, mm-hmm. and 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 then the other thing that I do think that's important here is that Florida is averaging eight and a half yards per rush. That's the third best in all the country when it comes to running the ball. And if you think about ways to slow down Alabama's offense, ways to give your defense a rest, ways to sort of just grind down the opposition to a point where you can start hitting some of those big plays, I mean, keeping the ball on the ground is a big part of that. And so, um, yes, Anthony Richardson's a big part of that, and we'll see whether he's able to contribute. At the same time, Emory Jones is a big part of that, being in there in, in the running game. And so, you know, if they can continue to average eight and a half yards a rush, they're going to have an opportunity to win. So really, that battle up front between the defensive line of Alabama and the offensive line of 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 florida and whether florida is able to continue and maintain its ability to run the ball and hit big explosive plays in the run game is just a different question than we had last year because last year it was you know is Kadarius tony going to be able to take on um cornerbacks on the outside is kyle pitt's going to be able to do to alabama what he did to everybody else and is kyle trask going to get time to be able to throw it's just a completely different set of questions this year
0: yeah, and I think you and I both, uh, in our own avenues, at read reaction and Gators breakdown, we'll have the preview later this week of like how we expect Florida to attack and and, and go about this game. And you're right, will the run game is going to be instrumental for this Gator offense and the Gator offensive attack, slowing down Alabama uh, just a little bit too. But yeah, measuring stick, it is. Uh, you know, of course, you know, you, you still win or lose, you have uh, nine more games to go play. Uh, so it is a measuring stick for week three and week three only. You can't go out there and what what Ole Miss in 2015. Beats Alabama, comes to the swamp the very next week, and gets their brains beat in by Will Greer in Florida. So you can see what what happens with a, a victory over Alabama. You got to keep it going. Got to keep the streak of uh, feeling good about yourself. Um, you know, uh, you can't you can't falter, and you can't let a loss deflate you either. You got to be able to to bounce back and uh, and continue the season uh, mentally as well. We did find out that the Florida Tennessee game will the very next week in the swamp as well will be a 7 p.m. kickoff. Uh, there so Alabama three thirty this week and Tennessee next week at under the lights in the swamp seven pm. So yeah, good 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 talk there about the measuring stick and and seeing where you are and comparing to Alabama uh, in, in a couple ways. Uh, well you mentioned it there? Ar uh, Anthony Richardson plenty of quarterback talk of uh, of course to get into it. it's just the, the, never a dull moment and uh, of course uh the Gators quarterback talk is very very rare that it's dull in that regard too. Mullen says Anthony Richardson will go through treatment this week and will practice. Quote, we'll see where he is Saturday. And we go, well, so maybe you know, a strain, not a tear, um, be on the field. We'll see pain tolerance. We'll see healing time, uh, all that. You know, look, you're probably not running your quarterback a whole lot in practice anyway. Uh, but that is part of his game. That's what we have seen. It is you know, going to affect him if he's not 100% out there uh, going against Alabama. So, of course, of course, the question, Will, is to, to play or not to play, and we won't know that. We won't know a percentage of how healthy he is, how healthy he is not, how close to 100% he is. Um, if he can safely play and effectively play, I want him out there. Uh, And, of course, that's an obvious answer, uh, given what we've seen the first couple games. Uh, But, you know, I have seen that thought out there. Well, the chances of beating Alabama aren't high anyway. Don't want him to lose his confidence. Don't want him to get hurt or whatever. If he can play, go play. I mean, look, the goal, win or lose, is to get to Atlanta after Saturday. that, That is the goal. And even with a loss, you may see Alabama again. You never know. Anthony Richardson's gonna. To me, he's gonna need those reps. I don't want if if if. And I look. I know I'm looking ahead. It's a big potential. Everything would have to go right after a loss to Alabama. If he's in there, I want him to get the experience there. You don't want Atlanta to be a surprise if you're to play Alabama again in Atlanta. You don't want that defense, the speed, to be a surprise. If Anthony Richardson can play Saturday, first of all, it helps the Gators win the game. Second of all, if you see Alabama again, he's gonna have some experience against that defense.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the question is, is he compromised, right? I mean, because you um you can't put him out there if he's compromised if he's going to injure himself further um but if it's if it's just he sort of tweaked it and he thinks he can go and the doctors don't think it's going to get any worse if he goes out there and plays obviously he's been the most effective offensive weapon that florida's had this year for an offense that's really been quite elite other than its ability to convert in the red zone when they've gotten down there and richardson's he- helmets popped off and so you know i can mean we a zone, by the way
0: can we get a new <laughs> chin strap can we get some duct tape let's get you know can we keep that going
1: Seriously. So, I mean, you know, you're looking at a guy whose fifth longest play was 18 yards, but he's had plays of 80, 75, 41, 36 and 18, five explosive plays, um, you know, three passes, two runs. They were, you know, three of those turned into touchdowns. And then you have the ridiculous 36 yarder where he threw it sort of going the wrong direction. But I mean, the, the interesting that thing is, that might be the most impressive play. Well, so it's actually so I think it's impressive because it required him to know that he was gonna have one on one coverage with Copeland, but that he needed to give Copeland time to get open. And so him dancing around back there was purposeful. He was trying to give his receiver time to allow that route to develop because Copeland's not even looking until he makes the break on the actual on the actual route. And so he had to buy time, but he knew he had one on one coverage based on the way the safeties were aligned to start to play. And I think that's something that you look at and say, okay, he knew where to go with the ball. He knows he's got one-on-one coverage. Yeah, he made an awesome throw, but even if the throw had been a little bit off, because he had one-on-one, he was going to give Copeland an opportunity to, to, to jump up and get it. It's the same thing a couple of weeks ago. He didn't make a perfect throw on the throw to Jamarcus Weston where he sort of got behind defense on the defense on fourth and four, but he was able to find the guy who was in one-on-one coverage, find the guy come open in between the zones, and then be able to hit him there, even though it wasn't a perfect throw. And I think we've sort of seen that with him thus far. It is interesting, though, Mullen mentioned the uh, the play specifically against FAU where um, where Richardson didn't make the right read, and that one immediately jumps to mind too, because you could see it almost immediately when it happens. Um, FAU bought a brought a corner blitz. He didn't adjust his coverage, even though he probably should have seen the blitz beforehand. And then once the blitz came, he didn't throw it to his hot guy either. He just basically, you know, deked the guy out of his shoes, ran around, it went for like a twenty-five yard gain, and everybody got excited. Um, whether or not he has the ability, just you know, when he's completely healthy to do that against a team like Alabama and then whether or not he has the ability to do that with a hamstring that's not 100% against Alabama are sort of the questions I think we're going to be asking because he's going to make mistakes. He's he's a freshman, right, or a redshirt freshman. So he's going to make some mistakes. The question is going to be, can you live with those mistakes? And, you know, here's the reality. If you're putting up three three plays over 40 yards every game, you're going to live with a guy who, who misses a read every once in a while.
0: There you go. And that was one of the next points I was going to, Will – the good outweighing the bad, and that kind of goes into Embry-Jones' play as well. And, you know, it's – you know, A- look, AR may be making mistakes. His mistakes aren't turnovers. His mistakes aren't turn- giving, the, giving the other team the ball. That That's the difference for me I, right now. We can get into it, you know, Embry playing better than he was in week one, week two, first half, playing good. And, of course, maybe I doomed it. Uh, I tweeted out, oh, yeah, 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 the timing's there. Emery's making good decisions. It literally will. It wasn't a minute later. There's the first pick, and the, the, the avalanche falls uh, there. So uh, you know, they were saying it on the broadcast, too, hey, he looks much better the first half. He's in sync. You know, he's making better decisions in the run game, not only the passing game. It's there. The timing's there this week more so than it was last week, and then uh, it, it falls apart. There for Emory Jones in the second half. One more thing about AR before we move on to to Emory a little bit. You know the 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 part we should all watch for here and and, and looking out for this week and maybe even the game itself and maybe this factors into the coach's decision. This is a a history of a hamstring injury for for uh, for AR. And uh, I was talking on Gators Breakdown Plus and I put it in the chat there. I was like, look, I don't. I'm pretty sure this isn't a new in- in- injury. So I started asking around and I know Casey. Um, he ended up confirming it as well but this dates back to the spring when it was pretty bad in spring uh, a couple times in fall where it kind of maybe flared up nothing serious maybe kind of what he's dealing with right now uh you know he was able to go these first couple games for the most part until until that happened so you know, the worry now is so it's just a nagging injury and now you had you had the time off from spring uh to summer workouts and you know fall camp starting really the only thing that's going <laughs> to help this thing is rest Don't have that luxury right now. Rest is not really an option if you can go out there and play uh, or, you know, you just take a cut or play him for this game, you know, and and the other side of it people, you know, basically saying, don't throw AR out there because of uh, confidence. If he's not not healthy, absolutely. It's an easy decision. Uh, But if he's able to play, that injury, if that hammy's not hurting, if he can handle the pain, if it is there, Of course, you don't want to go out there and make it worse and you miss the rest of the season. I think that's the worry some people have. So this history of this nagging hamstring, kind of just wait and see throughout the season as well, not only for the Alabama game, but throughout the season too.
1: Yeah, so there's a couple things there. One is that I have zero worries about his confidence level. Yeah. Because you don't purposefully change your number to number 15 at the University of Florida without knowing what you're doing and having the stones to think you can back it up. Agreed. So the idea that he's going to get spooked by Alabama if he goes out there and has a bad game to me is 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 not really relevant. That, you know, the the guy has purposefully said, "I'm going to take all the expectations you guys have." and I'm going to put him right there on the front of my jersey and on the back of my jersey because the expectations that come with the number 15 at the University of Florida are significant. He knew it, and he decided to do it anyway. Now, obviously, it helps with NIL that his initials are AR, so AR-15 makes a lot of sense. <laughs> at the same time, you know, he knows the expectations. He knew what he was doing when he did that. The fact that he's willing to do it tells me that confidence is not going to be an issue. And to be honest, seeing him chuck the ball around is <laughs> – the confidence isn't going to be an issue either. Um, the hamstring injury is a great point, though, that that those things, even if it's not a recurring thing with a particular player, that hamstring injuries tend to be things that take a while to get over. You think about James Harden with the Nets this year, you know, tweaks his hamstring. They think he's going to be back in like the first round of the playoffs. And all of a sudden he's sort of like floating around in the third round against the Bucks, and really can't give the Nets what they need in that particular in, the, in that particular series because he tried to go a little bit earlier, tweaked it again and then and then wasn't able to go. Obviously football's different than basketball, but at the same time you can get those things that become nagging injuries um, over time and hamstrings tend to be one of those things. So I mean, I, I, look, if, if Florida decided that they weren't going to play Richardson in this game because they need to make sure they can evaluate him for the rest of the season, I think that's probably an okay reason to let him sit but if it's confidence it's keeping if if you're worried about his confidence i think that's a stupid reason to let him sit the guy has plenty of confidence and and has plenty of reason to have confidence and i don't think a bad game against alabama is going to is going to deplete that at all though again if if you're worried about him having a bad game against alabama i think you're worried about some stuff that he hasn't shown any sort of yeah. um, reason to have that worry right i mean i Look, he's gonna turn busted plays into 20 yard runs. He's gonna, he's gonna looks like he's gonna to throw to the right guy when when everything goes right with the checks to the line of scrimmage. Is he gonna screw up a few of those things? Sure, but he might turn them into a 50-yard run when he does. So um yeah. all about balance for me. Will good good and bad. Even good and bad for
0: him. I think the good will outweigh the bad. And compared to the other quarterback on the roster, too. I
1: think the good outweighs the bad. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Right. I I think all along we I think you and I both suspected they were going to need both of these guys. Yeah. And one of the reasons they were going to need both of these guys is that when you run the quarterback, you know, 15 times a game, you're going You're going to sustain injuries over the course of the year. And so we've sustained the first one. Unfortunately, it happens right before the Alabama game, and we'll see what, what AR has left. But the good news is, is that Emory Jones has played quite a bit the last two games, and so he's going to be prepared to go into this game against Alabama. And he did some nice things last week, like you mentioned, especially in the first half. There were some things you could see. Was it anywhere close to what Anthony Richardson did? Nah, not even close, right? But at the same time, he did do some nice things. We saw some progression from week one to week two, and that's what we hope to see, right? Progression from week two to week three when they play Alabama. Eliminate some of those major mistakes and and sort of start there.
0: There you go. If you can eliminate the major mistakes and if this run game is anywhere close, and look, it's not going to be. It's Alabama. But if, it's, if it can resemble some of the things that we saw the first couple of weeks, you're going to build a game plan. You're going to build a game plan this week. The game plan this past couple of weeks, you know, all right, let's go see what we do well. Let's go see what we don't do well just don't turn the ball over. Okay. Well, you did that. Uh, and uh, that, that's part of the problem there, but not much game planning going on like there is going to be for Alabama. Uh, you know, there'll be wrinkles, there'll be uh, plays, there'll be, um, you know, but a game plan to me built around the run game, uh, we'll try and limit some of these mistakes by Emory Jones, give him some easy reads and look, the only the, the thing that's going to help him the most far to that, that run game to look a little bit like it has the first couple weeks. Yeah. I think, Florida's going to try it. I think they should try it. I think that's the strong part of the offense. That's what we knew about the offense coming into this season. That's what we have seen from this offense the first couple of weeks. And the explosion uh, has been better from the running backs. A lot of the explosion has, has, of course, come from Anthony Richardson. But more explosive runs from the running backs, too. Offensive line helping out is there. Chain reaction will for me. You know, that, that's going to help Emory Jones there. And, and, and a game plan now built around – some of the things, I mean, look, he's, there's going to be risk that's going to have to be taken in this game at some point, some in, in some form or fashion. But at least now, Mullen knows, going through spring, going through fall camp, now going through these first couple games, he knows what Anthony or uh, what Embry-Jones does well, what a- Embry-Jones does not do well. Now you go build a game plan around it, and hopefully will. I mean, it's going to be limited somewhat unless you know Embry-Jones has just come, comes out and, and – for whatever reason, plays better versus Alabama than he did versus FAU and USF. But uh going to be dependent there. But look, we, we knew. I mean, before the season, even game three, even if AR doesn't come up limping with a hammy just a little bit, good chance this game was still going to come down to somewhat of what Emory Jones can do. So a better performance to start with last week. Couldn't keep it going. Now hopefully – no, I just uh, with, with the AR injury, he's going to he's going to be a huge factor in this game. Hopefully, he steps up to the point.
1: Yeah, and I think Mullen maybe over the last couple of games has given him some different things to do, and probably has a little bit better idea of the things he can ask of him and mm-hmm. the things that he can't ask of him. And so, one of the things you saw with Mullen with Nick Fitzgerald, especially in his first year as a starter. Is he would do some things to really simplify the read for Fitzgerald. So he would spread his wide receivers way out by the numbers, and then they would run a read option with sort of a and, a, and an RPO um, option attached to it, where he could dump it to the tight end. And it really just meant that all he had to do was read the defensive end, and he knew what to do. And I think you're going to see some of that sort of stuff pop up against Alabama, particularly in key times, right? So a third and four where Florida's sort of getting deep, maybe they're sort of at the edge of field goal range and they need a first down. Um, Those are the times where those sorts of things are going to come out. I think Mullen will have three or four of those plays where he tries to design it to where the read is pretty simple. Where he's not necessarily trying to throw in between zones or where he's not trying to figure out, oh, I've got man on this side. It's just now we're gonna set the formation to the point where the only thing that the defense is gonna be able to do is play this one way. And you're gonna be prepared no matter what they do, there's going to be an answer. I think there will probably be three or four of those. Um, and then the other thing is is that he talked about before the first game, Mullen did, about That With quarterbacks like Emory Jones or like Anthony Richardson, sometimes the second read is to run. And, you know, I think in the first couple of games we've seen Emory Jones sort of wait and wait and wait and wait, waiting for guys to come open. And I do wonder whether the emphasis in practice this week is going to be if your first guy isn't open and you don't have the throw right away, go and you wouldn't have wanted to do that against fau you wouldn't have wanted to do that against usf but against alabama i think you might want to do that where you just basically say look you got one read or two reads look to your check down if he's not open go and run and if we gain three yards cool and maybe you end up with 26 rushes by the end of the year but you're going to bank you're going to hit a couple of those things where you gash the defense for 14 15 16 yards and it's going to be a big gain for us put us in scoring position get us being able to being able to move the ball down the field and. I really think that's going to be sort of the is or what I'm looking for when I look for what Mullen's going to be doing in this game is how does he scheme things to take advantage of the things that Emory Jones does well? And how does he avoid putting him in situations where he has to do things that he doesn't do well? And part of that is just going to be coaching him to not necessarily wait and wait. It's going to be we have to make a decision. We have to make a decision now. And we saw that that the decision time sped up between game one to game two. It wasn't where we want it to be in game two but I think if it speeds up from game two to game three and he's, he was definitely more decisive in the running game in, in game two against USF. And so if he can become even more decisive in that part of the game, I think there's an opportunity, even without Anthony Richardson for Florida to be able to move the ball against this Alabama defense.
0: Yeah. Maybe, uh, you know, a little, a little more of those keepers, a little more of an option game uh, coming in for, for Florida, as far as game plan goes. And we all got, I'm glad you brought up, you know, the one read two read and run, uh, you know, look, kind of dating back and maybe at the time it sounded like making an excuse for Emory and probably now probably some truth to that when we heard about all the issues of accuracy and timing and anticipation, lack of anticipation of, okay, well, you know, he's just putting, you know, Mullah's not running these quarterbacks in the in a scrimmage. You want to see what they can do with their arm. You know, I'm glad you said that. You know, probably bled over into practice a little bit the first couple of weeks as well, probably bled over into these first couple of games as well uh, of, going longer through your reads instead of taking off and running. Now, of course, game three, we do want to see it versus Alabama. Uh, and if you're going to take off and run, we want to, we want to see you use your legs, and more so than we saw the first couple of weeks. I, I, I do think that part has been a little more conservative as far as Emory Jones' games. Uh, I do expect him to use his legs more. Coming up versus Alabama, and whether it be design runs, whether it be scrambles uh on a broken pass play, or whether it be a, a simple RPO and you you, you had the chance to go run um after one read and it's not there. Okay. I mean that a lot of that comes into play, Colin, too. Uh for for Dan Mullen, setting up very likely scenarios, very easy scenarios, uh, very friendly scenarios for for Emory Jones. I think that comes into play too is Look, yeah, you're going to come up with a game plan, but will the the play
1: the play calling better be on point too? Yeah, well, I mean, that's always the case, right? I mean, yeah. hopefully everybody's got the right wristbands and we're ready to go. But <laughs> you know, at at the end of the day, like Emory Jones, there's going to be a time in this game where he has to make a play. Yep. And and that really is going to be the probably the difference in this game. I mean obviously there are some scenarios where Alabama comes and just blows the blows the tires off of Florida, but I think that's probably unlikely. I think what we're probably going to see is something that is I think we're going to see something that's similar to what we saw in the LSU game last year where it, it's frustrating because the Florida defense can't really stop them and can't get off the field, but that the Florida but the, floor, that the Florida defense can't get off the field, but the Florida offense is still going to be able to move the ball and going to be able to keep the Gators in the game. And so if they're able to convert in the red zone, if they're able to put seven up when they get down there, I can envision a scenario where this is going to be really close. You know, late third quarter, early fourth quarter, it's going to come down to Emory Jones being able to make the throw because Saban's going to give him some of those intermediate throws. He's going to give him probably some cover two, where you look at it and say you got to hit tight windows in between zones, but you got to also throw it on time. Is he going to be able to do that when 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 it really comes down to it? You got to do it. I mean, that's that's one of the the challenges. But around that is going to be Mullen putting him in situations where he's able to take advantage of his athleticism. You saw it a little bit in the game against USF. They started doing sort of those like half boots where he was getting the ball mm-hmm. quick to his the wide receivers on the little out routes.
0: His first completion, the Wills, was the uh, you know sprinting out to the right and. And, and, I,
1: and I think one, it's clear that he does that pretty well. And two, you can even look back in his high school film and see him doing that sort of thing. And then the other thing is, is that getting him on the move, I think makes it a half field read. Yep. And since it's a half-field read, you can be decisive and you can get the ball out rather than having to worry about going all the way across. I mean, the reality is, and I think Mullen even said this before the first game, that to expect Emory Jones to be reading the defense and the mm-hmm. making accurate throws like Kyle Trask is an unfair expectation. Just like asking Kyle Trask to run for 200 yards or 150 yards in his first two starts last year would have been an unfair thing. And so the passing was so bad in the first game for Jones that it sort of offset the fact that he averaged 7.4 yards per rush and rushed for 74 yards total he rushed for 81 against against usf and so lost in the 160 and 115 from anthony richardson is emory jones was a really effective runner as well the difference is he only averaged 4.2 yards per throw in the first game he averaged 6.9 in the second so again pales in comparison to the 51 that anthony richardson (laughs) averaged on his three but if he can average seven yards a throw but six yards a rush, Florida's going to be effective at moving the ball. And that's that's the reality is that, you know, the the running portion of this for Emory Jones is probably a bigger deal than the passing part of it until it comes down to, you know, when the screws really start to tighten late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter. There's going to be a time where a big throw has to be made, and we'll see whether he's able to get it. And that'll be the difference, right? I mean, when you look at whether Florida's able to get over the hump, it'll be it'll probably be, you know, Does it end up right in the arms of an Alabama defender and go the other way, or does it? Does he hit somebody right on the sideline, right in the hands over a corner and under a safety, and put Florida in field goal range, or drive them down, or you know, does that set them up to drive down for a touchdown? I think I think you can clearly envision that that might be a scenario where you know Emory Jones is either going to make or break his sort of um, his relationship with the fans when, when when one of those things comes up against Alabama.
0: Alabama dealing with some uh, injuries at
1: linebacker, too. So, you know, we saw Dan Mullen be able to take advantage
0: of a Georgia defense that was uh, pretty uh, – or, you know, nursing some injuries last year. You know, maybe now uh, Dan Muller can see something to take advantage of an Alabama defense as well. Of course, I'm, guys, I know completely different offense, deep, deep, all that. You don't have to tell me that, but there is something to, to look out for uh, when you're looking at uh, this game.
1: So I actually do think that's worth noting. Saban was uncharacteristically uncharacteristically critical, I think, for this early in the season, but I think he has reason to be. When you go back and look at it, his team's giving up 6.9 yards per attempt. They gave up, I think, nine yards per attempt to Mercer this past weekend. Um, So, you know, my, my yards above replacement metric, I have them third worst in the SEC, two spots behind Florida on defense. So you know, again, I start looking at it. and I say, this is not invincible Alabama from 2020. I think there are some, there are some ways that you're going to be able to move the ball against the tide. Um, Obviously, you know, it's just two games in and, and if Florida comes out and plays like Miami did in the first, in, in the, in the opener, then, you know, then all bets are off and Alabama might run away with it at the same time i think that the there are some holes in the alabama defense that florida might be able to take advantage of and and saban is criticizing them for good reason not just because he's trying to motivate them and he's kind of upset they kind of faded in the game against mercer you know the interesting thing is that score against mercer was aided by a blocked punt that got returned for a touchdown mm-hmm. And the score against Mercer. If Florida had had that score against Mercer, we would be endlessly complaining that we didn't, you know, put the screw, you know, that we didn't tighten down and just blow them out in the fourth quarter. That how could you give up fourteen points? Like all that sort of stuff. And so the things we've heard about the FAU game and the USF game, I think, is sort of the same thing that that Saban is kind of pointing to when it comes to Alabama, particularly against Mercer this past week.
0: Yep. All right. So like I said, a plenty of talk there. Alabama talk uh, coming. Preview. Previews in the day ahead at Read Reaction here on Gators Breakdown. But plenty more to get into. Mullen talking to the media today. Plenty of uh, other news and notes uh, to get into as well. We move on from the – if we can move on from quarterback talk, Will. I guess, you know, if it's okay. (laughs) But, well, we know. Nature of the beast uh, when you're talking about Florida and what's transpired uh, the first couple weeks here. Before we do, remember, I mean, you got to head to my bookie. The NFL – Is back in action, and so is winning season at MyBookie. With over $500,000 in contest prize money, winning season makes the big games better and the victories even sweeter. Head to MyBookie.ag and choose from a variety of boost, contests, and promotions up for grabs. Highlighted by the crown jewel of winning season, the famed MyBookie Super Contest. It only costs $10 to enter. You pick five games against the spread each week. Each win earns you a point and each point gets you closer to the grand prize. If you missed out on week one, don't even sweat it because entries are still open and all it takes is one solid week to get you back in the mix. Don't take my word for it. Join now. Start your winning season with MyBookie today. In order to get started, make your first deposit at MyBookie.ag and use promo code GATORS to instantly receive double your deposit. That's double your money to double your winnings with your first ever deposit using promo code GATORS. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And autumn is in the air. The pumpkins are in the patch, and our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and their brand-new fourth-generation performance package. Join the two million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with code GATORSBREAK20. Time to bundle up with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside the package, you'll find the lawnmower 4.0, the weed whacker, ear and nose trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver, toner, performance boxer breeze, and a travel bag for all those goodies. First off, you get that performance pack in the Performance Package 4.0. You get the lawnmower 4.0, that fourth generation trimmer, reduce your grooming accidents with the advanced skin safe technology. You get that LED spotlight for more precise shave. Plus, it's waterproof. Also in the Performance Package 4.0, you get the Weed Whacker. Best nose trimmer I've tried. Pretty much the only one I've ever tried that works. You got to give that thing a try. Get the liquid formulations, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver, soothing spray for below the waist for high friction areas. Keep them cool, calm, protected after a good shave. And Manscaped even throws in two free gifts in the Performance Package 4.0. The Manscaped Boxer and Shed Travel Bag Get comfy at home and on the go this season. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code GatorsBreak20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code GatorsBreak20 at Manscaped.com. I right, Will, so something we've kind of spoken about, Dan Mullen, even more in the press conference, did quote say, we have kept it pretty simple the first two weeks as far as utilizing the personnel. I mean, that's, you know, you you can tell. I mean, first of all, you know, if they wanted to run the ball more, they could have. I think they've wanted to work on the passing game. Um, A lot for me on this one, you know, it really goes to defense. Uh, Defense, we've seen the starters play the first half. Halftime comes, both games versus FAU and USF. You haven't seen the starters a whole lot on the field. Mullen says more veterans will be getting the reps compared to the two previous games with Alabama coming up, with SEC coming up. I mean, it really has been pretty simple the first couple of weeks. That doesn't excuse some of the execution we've seen. You'd like to see some short yardage situations to get your offensive line, get more push, but all in all, a good performance by them. You don't want to see Emory Jones throwing these interceptions, no matter how simple they have kept it. But it is pretty – and look, you're not emptying the kitchen sink versus FAU and USF. You better this week. You know, everything better be on full display. All the personnel packages you want to throw out there better be on display versus Alabama, but – doesn't take the rock rocket scientist to know, you know, they're they're not game planning, they're not throwing all their heavy personnel packages. There's gonna be some wrinkles, there's gonna be some new plays. Look, you, your offense is going to be basically the same. There's not gonna be much that surprises Nick Saban coming from Dan Mullen. But with the shift in offense going to the run heavy, there's some wrinkles, there's some plays that they've worked on this offseason that we should see on Saturday. So hearing Dan Mullen say, you know, they kept it pretty simple the first, first two weeks. First of all, no, no surprise. Uh, and second of all, you'll see more of it this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing is is you don't have to fool Nick Saban. you got to fool Nick Saban's safeties, and so those guys are watching film, and those guys are preparing, and those guys are looking and saying, yeah, I don't know what to expect. It's actually one of the reasons I was a little bit surprised they, they had the rocker play against USF last week with, mm-hmm. with Anthony Richardson. I kind of figured that would be something they might hold. It's not that no one's ever seen it before. It's that no one's seen it from Richardson, and so you're sitting there saying – is he capable of doing it? And now you know he is, and so you'll be able to prepare for it. The question I have is, what do you build off of that, right? And, and that's sort of the thing, is you've probably shown on film what you wanted to show on film, and yep. what is the what is the zag you're going to attach to the to the zig that you showed against USF or against FAU on film? And then, you know, there are certain tendencies as well that you've probably, you know, there, there are some things about each of these quarterbacks in terms of where they like throwing and what they like doing. And have you been purposefully shying away from those sorts of things because, you know, you're going to come to that in this particular game? We'll see. I mean, at the end of the day, Alabama has outstanding athletes. They're going to be able to recover. You're going to need to make quick decisions. You're going to need to be able to get the ball out there quickly, and then you're going to need to win a few battles in space irrespective of what the game plan is. But, uh yeah, I mean, it's not a surprise that – uh that mullen would say they've sort of kept things simple the other thing is is that they've sort of kept everybody fresh right so the five running backs have all gotten you know five to seven carries a game at some point they're going to say hey we're going to ride with the guy who's doing the best job out there you know the first game it was malik davis the last game it was damian pierce though after the first drive pierce really didn't see the ball all that much um so i do think that one of the things they'll do is find the guy who's really got either the hot hand or has shown that he's finally been able to grasp the offense completely when it comes to a guy like demarcus Bowman and Lorenzo Lingard get them out there in space and see what they can do in a way that they have not done yet in the first couple of games.
0: That's one thing, Will. I am definitely looking for is that running back rotation, seeing how it plays out. You mentioned how it played out the first couple of weeks there. Um, and, you know, Mullen and saying, you know, the veterans will be getting most of the reps. I took that as you know, most of the guys who've been starting uh, out there, you know, you Zachary Carters, your Moons. Uh, I took that more for defense, you know, offense. I mean, it's been pretty sad. You know, but besides running back, I mean, you pretty much know who the veterans are. The veterans are going to play. The veterans should be the starters uh, the, along offense. You, you can name, I mean, besides Emory and AR, of course, you know, you got your veterans at wide receiver that should be starting. Your veterans at tight end should be starting. Running back, I know a lot of people want to question how, how it goes there, but like what I've seen so far from Damian Pierce and, and Malik Davis these first couple of weeks, offensive line, you better go with the veterans because there's not much behind the, the five, six guys we've seen there. So you know, when, he, when he says that, I, I take it as guys who have played a lot, Guys who, to me, so far have proven this year to be the better players on the field your Carters, your Moons. Um, Vogel's been around the program now, and like he's not starting, but uh, you know, he's I think he should be pushing for for, for more playing time. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I just took it as a lot of those guys we've seen on defense in the second half when you. You know, that's all a lot of people say, and they had to go look for a roster and see who a certain number was. And oh man, that guy has a hyphen, a hyphenated name. I didn't know, I did not even know who that was. I mean, did not know we had a hyphenated guy <laughs> on defense. I mean, you're not, it's, it's more about who, what the what, uh, starting 11 you're going to see uh, on both sides of the ball. You know, they sprinkled in some pieces here and there, or wholesale changes on defense, or wholesale changes on offense. You know, when you see 11 on defense, Coming up now in SEC play, it's not going to be those 11 guys you saw in the second half. It's going to be two or three of those guys on the field with the rest of the starters. Same for offense. You know, we've seen the personnel packages and the mass substitutions that they do in offense sometimes. I think we'll start seeing that more versus Alabama uh, there too. But uh, I, w- I wouldn't take that that quote too hard about – you know taking it to heart too much about says more veterans will be getting the reps compared to the two previous two games. I mostly took that as, who's been starting the last couple games? Those guys are going to be out there. They've earned the reps. They've earned the play in time. Now we'll go see how they can do for a whole game instead of getting up. We don't need you out there anymore. We need to keep you healthy. Now it's, it's, it's go time, Will. It's, it's go
1: time yeah I mean, it's been two years since we've had cupcake games, so I think we kind of forgot that when you don't start off the season with old miss and texas a and m you actually like get young players in there and give them some reps. I mean, the whole point you get up thirty five to three why not right and in fact, the biggest thing you wanted to do at that point was get out of the game without an injury. Um, or a severe injury. That's one of the things that was so disappointing about Richardson pulling up at the end of that touchdown is it was great to see him in there and go for that touchdown. And I was sort of laughing in terms of just this guy's ridiculous as he was running there. And then it was like, oh, no, 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 please be a cramp. Um, Yeah, obviously rosters tighten as you get to these, as you get into SEC play, sort of by necessity, because you could dress less people when it comes to the SEC games. But also just, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, you got to put the guys out there who are who are earning those reps, and that's what we're going to see. Hopefully, is the guys who've earned the reps are going to be out there, and you'll have a few backups who come in to give them a blow, and you'll have the general rotation on the defensive line. But at the end of the day, you're not going to look at it at the end of the third quarter and and not see Zach Carter out there, and not see Brenton Cox out there, and not see Chris Bogle out there, or Jeremiah Moon, or or Diabate. Like those guys are going to be out on the field, and going to be out on the field a lot. And thankfully they've been able to get through the first two games without serious injuries, except maybe to ventral Miller. We'll see what happens there. But um, at the end of the day, yeah, the guys who've earned the time, who've put in the work, who were big parts of the team last year, particularly when you think about the defensive side of the ball are going to get that consistent playing time. And, you know, the the concern would be sort of that fifteen play drive that happened in the first quarter yep. against against USF against those starters. Not necessarily the couple of drives at the end of the game when they had to go twenty five yards because um, you know there was a big kickoff return or a big punt return or a, or an interception that sort of put them in in high level scoring position.
0: All right, let's move on and with the media on Monday. Some highlights taken from that here. Uh, Mullen said, I, "Not this is the question I asked him about. We wanted to, you know, I knew it was going to be dominated by quarterback questions there, so I'll, I did want to go a different way and ask him about two guys I've just been impressed with so far on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Mullen saying Jeremiah, I asked him about Jeremiah Moon and uh, uh, Janarius Perkins. Those two guys I've been impressed with, especially Moon, these first couple games. I uh, know the injury healthy. Seems like he's been at Florida for a decade now." Hopefully he can stay healthy, but, you know, he did say Jeremiah Moon being able to play that inside linebacker really helps the flexibility of the defense. Uh, and says Perkins has picked up the system fast. He can play corner or star, and he's worked hard to learn the defense. He's doing a good job making plays. Will we go back to game one? And it was Trevez Johnson on the depth chart being the first team star. Um, started, that, started the game that way too, but it's been Perkins the first couple games that's really caught my eye there at star for his aggressive play his instincts his you know, ability to break on the ball in that one play uh, versus usf have been a been a highlight so far been helping on that versus fau being able to string out a run play keep that run play toward the sideline for very little gain uh there he's played he showed some good instincts knowing what to do there in that star position so far and jeremiah moon i mean lining up all over the place uh, right over an offensive lineman, going to play the edge that we've seen him play uh, for the last couple of years, but also that in line, inside linebacker role. Nice twist there for the staff to find that, and he's played pretty good there. Now, for, of course, the first big test for everybody this week is you know, Alabama, but seeing a new position like Kim, seeing how he stacks up there, uh, we'll get into it too, Venture Miller. um Mullen said they'll find out more I know you know, you ask around he'll be out for a little while uh, so maybe Jeremiah Moon being look of course he's not Ventro Miller playing inside linebacker but he's been doing pretty good uh, these first couple games and uh, I like the way the staff has found that role for him and and move him around a little bit and he's been a difference maker in these first couple games.
1: Yeah, I mean, as far as Perkins is concerned, I think you can see flashes. I think you also see flashes of inconsistency as well. Mm-hmm. There, especially on some third downs where they were playing a zone sort of at the sticks. He was, there were a couple of times where he dropped behind the sticks, particularly in the FAU game. And then obviously had the late hit out of bounds that, that prolonged the drive as well that uh, that you want to eliminate. But but a lot of good flashes too. And that's, that's one of the things you're looking for at that position is a guy who's physical, guy who can come up and help in the run game, but then a guy who's able and quick enough to then go guard um you know guard bigger receivers and and receivers who are going to come into the slot going to need that this weekend right i mean billingsley is a a good player alabama has a lot of good players who are going to be out there at the receiver position or at the tight end position and and that star is going to be an important part of it as far as jeremiah moon is concerned yeah i mean middle linebacker there there are multiple times where you've seen him sort of fill a hole and take on the blocker who's coming through the hole and muddle things up to allow other guys to come in and finish off the play. And on the stat sheet that doesn't show up as a tackle, But his ability to stand in there and his willingness to stand in there and take on either the pulling guard or a tight end who's pulling around and make sure that he takes him on directly and doesn't give the running back anywhere to go and allow his teammates time to catch up is a big part of being a middle linebacker. Something David Reese was always really, really good at. I mean, Reese made a ton of tackles as well, but he was never shy about taking on that offensive lineman who was pulling through the hole. And Moon's shown that as well. So, you know, kudos to him for being willing to, to to jump into that role. And, you know, the other thing is is that Alabama, interestingly, has not ran the ball all that well this year. They've averaged 3.9 yards per rush. They're not getting any rushing yards from their quarterback at all. Last year they averaged 5 yards per rush. So this is a little bit different offense. I mean, they, they are – you know, 24th overall in yards per pass, 9.1 yards per pass, but 3.9 yards per rush. So again, I sort of look at it and say, if there's, um, you know, F- Florida has some things that I think they'll be able to do even without Ventrum on the defensive side of the ball that are going to challenge Alabama. Now we'll see if Alabama's up to the challenge. But um, you know, th- this this is a different offense than last year's Tide for for sure, and uh, and hopefully Florida's able to take advantage of that.
0: Yeah, I also think we can say for all the good feelings we can have, maybe Florida being a little vanilla, maybe holding some things back. We'd say the same thing for Alabama, too. I mean, they got up so big on Miami to begin with, no need to really dive far into the playbook for them either. They played Mercer as well. So, you know, that's the thing about early season games. Well, you just don't know enough about these teams yet. and you know, We can try and glean from what we see. We can try and go from – the past and, and, and try and tie things together. Uh, but, you know, I, we'll know a whole lot more about Alabama and Florida week three uh, in the game coming up this week. And you're going for, uh, going for Jeremiah Moon. I mean, lead the tackles there, Will. I mean, he's got 11 total tackles this season uh, so far in two games, uh, four of them being solo, uh, seven assisted there. But, you know, total tackles there. Uh, you find Jeremiah Moon up at the top. Mamou Diabate, uh, second on the team with 10. Bogle up there with nine. Hopper eight mcdaniel with eight miller with eight Shaw torrance with eight bernie seven carter seven dean seven Travis johnson seven so uh there's a kind of quick rundown of what number of tackles look like going into the alabama game there so some names you expect you to see some guys uh really you know, kind of racking up the stack stats there just because they're on the field uh late game situations that you won't necessarily see uh throughout the season uh there so will extend in the injury conversation there. Um Zach Carter was asked about Ventrell Miller today and what Florida's defense would need to do if he can't play versus Alabama. He says he's a great guy, great teammate, great leader. But I feel like we shouldn't have an issue picking up that leadership role given experience across the defense. So good 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 to hear there, of course. You know, now you see you got to you got to put that to the test uh, this week. You know, it's a lot easier to say those things about leadership So you get punched in the mouth and have to respond there, and that's exactly what's going to happen Saturday uh, for Florida. They're going to have plenty of chances to respond there, but plenty of experience up front with, with Zachary Carter, I think, helped lead those guys on the front seven. But also, Elijah Blaze nursing a hamstring. Will, he went out last week versus FAU, uh, was seen in the tunnel, just hanging out. I saw him on the sideline in street clothes versus USF this past week. And also, Jean uh, DeLance, Mullen says it was a bruise. He was seen on crutches at some point in the USF game, but Mullen says he would be back today or tomorrow uh, practicing there. So a couple injury notes as we head into Alabama. We'll see if Blades can come back. Now, I think if th- – this was the game I was actually pinpointing, Will, for Blades to kind of make – and I'm not going to sit here and say he was going to be some lockdown corner or go out there and you know, have two interceptions in a game and, and return it for a touchdown, but – the way and delayed you know, him coming on campus, he was going to need some time to get acclimated into the defense. Bama's week three, I thought it might just time out to where, you know, this would be the game where he would be on the field a whole lot. Did play in game one a little bit. I thought it would take you – know, he's had some SEC experience. He's played versus Alabama before, This it would be no surprise for him. Now uh, playing against a big, you know, playing in a big SEC game uh, like this. So this is a game I was pinpointing. Hopefully he's back, but I, I doubt he's. T- I doubt he's practiced the last couple of weeks. So now still behind, uh, in in you know getting up to speed with the Florida defense and the Lance, and you know we just talked about you know, his improvement there with the run game, and he was instrumental in that uh, speed option run by Emory Jones versus USF, uh, sealed the edge there. At, uh, Help launch Emory Jones into the end zone with uh, well, I think a 30-yard touchdown run on that speed option. Uh so hopefully he's back. Uh create some depth up front for the skater team. But uh Miller would be a, a you know a loss, definitely a loss up there in the middle. I'd like to see him out there for some depth uh purposes there for the linebacker. I haven't seen a whole lot from him. I still, you know, the, the linebackers still haven't really done anything to stand out in the first couple weeks. Will, uh, in, in my opinion. But Miller Blaze, DeLance, those are your uh there's your, there's your injury list right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the Blades injury is significant. We've seen both Avery Helm and Jason Marshall struggle a little bit on the outside. Having an extra option there um, would, would be a positive thing. There have been a lot of pass interference penalties on the outside. Even there was one play, I think, where it was Jason Marshall sort of, I thought it was going to be a pass interference, and the officials let it go in the game against USF this past week really not getting your head around in time when the ball's thrown up, the receiver stops, um, the DB runs into him, and all of a sudden you get a pass interference. There have been a couple of those in the first couple of weeks. Um, a couple of times where the safeties weren't necessarily in the right position either, and I don't think that the, that the DBs got the help that they thought they were going to get, and so it looked worse than it is, but certainly I think the, corner, the second cornerback spot is a place where it would be nice to have some help from Blades. I think we're probably a little bit better off the linebacker position. Tyron Hopper has been okay. I don't know that he's been fantastic, but he's been okay yeah. when he's been in there. You've also got Diabate. You've got the ability to slide Moon in there, Amari Bernie. So you've got you've got guys who have the ability and have some experience playing linebacker. But obviously last year, Alabama took advantage of Florida's linebackers in a lot of different ways in, in the game last year. But at the same time, it's really easy to do that when you got Najee Harris going for seven yards every time he touches the ball. And I don't know that Alabama's going to have the ability to do that this year because of some of those guys up front. Um, you know, Desmond Watson. Watson has really been sort of, I think he might, he might be able to steal a couple of series in this game, yeah. allow the rest of Florida's defensive tackles, you know, Antonio Valentino, Tyrone Truesdale, Dequan Newkirk, and Gervon Dexter, be able to give them the blow that they need a couple of times, especially when it seems like Alabama may really go to the run. And, and so, you know, that kind of helps out the linebackers as well. And last year, they just didn't have that. They didn't have anybody up front who could stop the linebackers so or who could stop the offensive linemen from getting to the linebackers and then the linebackers were getting mauled Now, Miller is the one guy at linebacker, maybe Moon as well, who have the ability to take on – the offensive lineman who's coming around the edge. If you get if you get an offensive lineman on on Diabate, the it's over, right? Like the run that is going through.
0: Play. Yeah, that was the one play Derek Tyson shared of the uh, tight end for USF pulling. Here comes Diabate trying to fill the hole. I mean, he was aggressively attacking the hole and just gets stonewalled by yeah. by the USF tight end.
1: Well, the reality is is Diabate is not the he's a speed linebacker, he's not a power linebacker. Ventral Miller and Jeremiah Moon are are strength linebackers, not speed linebackers, mm-hmm. if you were going to characterize either of those guys. And so right. um, you know, again, depending upon how the game plays out and what Alabama's trying to do with its running backs, they might be able to take advantage of those guys. But I, I think I think linebackers probably I'm less worried about linebacker than I am about defensive back, put it that way. The injury yep. to Blades, even though Miller, I think, is a more valuable player to Florida over the course of the year, mm-hmm. I think that the drop-off from Miller to the next guy at, uh, at linebacker might be less than the drop-off from Blades to the next guy at, at defensive back. Yeah.
0: Give me Miller back by Kentucky. That, that's, you know, that would be the game I'd circle in, in a few weeks. So, you know, I, I don't know the extent of the injury. I was told to expect him out for a little while, uh, but maybe three weeks for Kentucky, we get him back, we get him back there. Uh, but of course, Alabama this week, Tennessee next week. So some games in between there. Uh will overlook the one that's happening this Saturday. So I uh, will, man, that will do it for this episode. Yeah. Um, can't wait to see you in person, not behind the computer screen <laughs> on, on Saturday for the, for the for the first time in a couple of years. Um, of course, uh, I guess give us a tiny what are you looking? I mean, we've kind of talked about it here just a little bit briefly. What are you looking for Saturday? You know, you can save some for your preview, of course, whatever, but uh, maybe a little tease. What, what are you looking for Saturday?
1: So the biggest thing I'm looking for is how often is Alabama able to get into the backfield? So they have not been real good at getting into the backfield in the first two games, nine tackles for loss, four sacks. That's 7% of their total tackles have gone for loss. Last year it was up around 10% and 3% of their total, 3% of their sacks or 3% of the total tackles, the ratio of sacks to total, to total tackles. And last year it was up around 5%. So you start looking at those numbers and you say, they're not getting in the backfield as often. And what does that mean for a team like Florida that's able to run the ball? right. Well, it means that hopefully you can get to the second level. You can get a guy like Malik Davis – on a linebacker, on a safety one-on-one, or you get a guy like Emory Jones or Anthony Richardson on a linebacker, on a safety one-on-one, and we've already seen that those guys can win those battles. Last year, they didn't have the ability to do that. There was no ability to run the ball. They had to rely on on Kyle Trask, and he was, he was really sort of up to the task, but it took him a little while to get to the point where they felt confident and I think that they were able to take advantage of it. And so, you know, it's interesting last year, Florida fell behind 14, nothing to to Georgia and then came storming back, but it almost felt like they were a little bit deer in the headlights for the first five minutes against Georgia. I mean the first play turns into a big long run for a touchdown. Um, you know and all of a sudden they're down 14 nothing and they're really struggling and then they're able to turn it around. Last year sort of felt like they got hit in the mouth in the first half against Alabama and then they were able to turn it around and at least get get back and make it close. So maybe that's the thing we should be looking for is that they come out fast, that they don't fall behind, you know, 14 nothing, 17 nothing, 17-3 something like that. That Florida really probably needs to come out, make it 10 nothing, make it 17 nothing, 17-7 something like that where the the crowd is in it the whole game because Florida's in it the whole game. And then you got Bryce young on the def- on the offensive side of the ball for Alabama, who's, this is his first road game, right? That game against Miami. That was not a hostile crowd there at that neutral site game. The game against Mercer, certainly not a hostile crowd. And now you've got a sold out swamp jacked to see Florida be able to pull this one out it's going to be as loud as anything you've ever heard in there and Bryce Young hasn't hasn't dealt with that yet and so you get you know I said I said what I said about Emory Jones at some point needing to make a play it may be the same thing for Bryce Young right at some point Alabama's gonna have to rely on him to make a play he's been able to do it and been more impressive in the first two games of the year but it's really easy to let the ball fly when you're up 21-3 to in the second quarter against Miami and there's no crowd. It's really hard to let it fly when and trust your instinct when it's when you're down 21-17 in the fourth quarter in the Swamp. And so that to me, those would be the two things. This is Alabama in the backfield consistently. And if they are, then it's going to be a really long day for Florida because obviously they need to run the ball. And then the other thing would be, does Florida come out and sort of look tentative to start with, like they did against Georgia last year, like they did against – quite honestly, LSU last year, and like they did against Alabama, or do they come out and are they the aggressors and do they punch Alabama in the mouth? And I don't know that they're going to win if you see those two things happen, but I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be close if you see those two things happen. Yeah, that's my big thing, keeping
0: it close to keep the crowd in it. That's uh, before I give my preview on Wednesday uh, as well. That's, that is definitely one of mine as well. Uh, getting up to a better start on defense. <laughs> you know, not, I don't expect the offense to go out there and go crazy. You got I think the defense has got to do its job in and keeping it close to the offense finds their finds their way. So all right. Plenty of previews, both sides. Reading reaction, you can find that's where you can find Will and his work there. You can find him on Twitter at Will Miles SEC. Anything else, Will?
1: dude I, I went to work today and i was just like can it be the weekend yeah like can we can we get there this is one of those where you're just like is it saturday yet is it saturday yet is it saturday and i feel like i'm the kid at christmas like this is my kids like the week leading up to christmas that's what i feel like right now you know and <laughs> and, and it's interesting there was a really interesting article on sports illustrated today talking about the hiring of dan mullen yeah, and, and really why worked. they didn't hire scott frost and and uh you know sort of the the saga with chip kelly and all that sort of stuff and it just sort of made me think back to back in 2017. What would I have thought with Alabama coming to the swamp? I would have been like, oh, uh oh. <laughs> and really, to be honest, even in 15 and 16, when we played him in the SEC championship yeah. game, I didn't think we had a chance. Last year I thought we had a chance, but that it was extraordinarily remote. This year I think we have a chance and it's more than just remote. I think we're obviously underdogs, but I, I think the I think it's pretty ridiculous that they're more than two touchdown favorites in the swamp. I think, you know, that that's that's a lot of points for a team with a lot of question marks. And granted, Alabama's always one of these reloads and, and that sort of stuff, but I don't know. I think Florida's gonna be able to keep it close and I'm gonna be there cheering them on. So um come by and see us. We'd love to love to sort of interact with all the people that we' That we talk to through the computers every week and uh, you know meet meet them in person as well.
0: Absolutely. Once again, Will Miles, you can find him at readreaction.com and on Twitter at Will Miles C. I'm the host of Gator's Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gator's Breakdown.